Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello and welcome back to Jet Press Podcast. My name is Justin Freed and I'm joined as always by my man Mike Luciano. Mike, the Super Bowl has come and gone. Is officially the offseason, which means it's officially the Jets' time to shine. How you doing today, buddy? Well, I'm actually broke because uh, going to a Super Bowl party uh, in Jersey City, I had taken a train into Newark because I wanted to drive, but the guy I was going with and uh, people, other people didn't want to drive. So, okay, let's take the train. And then the path was down. So then I had to Uber from Newark to Jersey City and back. So if you really if you care about that, you need to support the podcast because I just <laughs> blew an obscene amount of money on easily avoidable Ubers to go and watch the Kansas City Chiefs, led by a former Jet, uh, and Michael Hardman, take down the San Francisco 49ers. Wait, uh, wait, whoa, whoa. You mean you mean led by Mike Pinnell? All right. Former Jet Jet legend Mike Pinnell and Jets legends Michael P. Ryan, Trey Dean, and Isaiah G- Gavings. Gavings? That's his name. He was briefly with the team in the spring anyway no it wasn't you made that up that can't that's not a (laughs) a made-up name yeah (laughs) that's that's an npc (laughs) ai football but beyond that the game is over uh this is my last super bowl i think rooting for patrick mahomes because he's a great player and fun to watch i like watching him win but obviously you want the jets to win but if the jets don't win i'd like to see some of the other guys in the nfl get some rings i want to see him get like 10 which it looks like he's probably going to if this season's any indication because this was the year he got him and you didn't. Isn't but. there isn't there a part of you though that wants him to catch Brady, that wants him to pass Brady so that there's no debate that well, he no, because then the Jets aren't winning. Well, again, obviously we want the Jets to win a Super Bowl every single year. But if they don't make it and Mahomes is there, there's part of me that's like it wouldn't be the worst thing if he kept winning if he won like three or yeah, four more. People before. got their minds. I I genuinely don't care about those debates. Number one and number two, like people already got their minds made up. Like people keep going, oh Brady beat him head to head, so it's like all right, nothing he does for the next ten years will ever matter to those people's minds because he beat him head to head. If so, that's the, Mark Sanchez beat Tom Brady head to head, I guess Mark Sanchez is better than Tom Brady. Well, Eli beat him twice. I guess Eli, Eli beat him twice. Him. Brady's zero and two in his postseason career against Eli Manning. No one's gonna that's like right. no one's gonna see Eli Manning's better than Tom Brady. I'm just using your logic here. So, but anyway, you can always support the podcast where we get into a pretty jam-packed show uh, for a, a middle of February jet show. It's pretty jam-packed. Uh, you can always find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, wherever you get your podcasts. We're on all those sites, YouTube, at the Jet Press. Likes really help. Five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts, they really help to support the show, just to get us up the algorithm, not to just massage our egos and tell us how good we are. That's It's literally just for the business reasons. So if you want to support the show – that's a very good way to do it, but let's get into it and let's kind of get back to some Super Bowl talk because Miko Hardman, it just so happens, even when the Jets haven't played in a month and there's no indication they're ever going to be brought up on Super Bowl weekend, here they are getting brought up on Super Bowl weekend because of all the people to be the hero in the Super Bowl. I mean, there's always been unheralded Super Bowl star, David Tyree, Desmond Howard, like it happens all the time, but Hardman, who... Blinking, you miss him, his Jets tenure. Like, people are going to forget he even played for the Jets in probably like a year and a half because it was so brief. It was so unimpactful. I believe he only had one catch for the Jets. He had one catch for six yards, I believe. And I think that was in like a blowout. I think that was the Cowboys game where that happened. And then he goes back to the Chiefs and is winning a Super Bowl. It's very Jets, or it's very Browns with Andre Risen where they sign him. He does nothing. He leaves and wins a Super Bowl immediately. It's very Jets to sign a guy to fill a very specific role, have him not do anything with the Jets, and then a couple months later he's winning the Super Bowl with the Kansas City Chiefs and taking shots to the Jets because he gave an, he was in an interview and he was asked by, I think it was Chris Rose, I believe, who said, you know, well, he started the year with the Jets and he basically said, don't talk about that. We don't like to talk about me being with the Jets. So... I was kind of a shot at the Jets. I mean, it, it's deserved because they either didn't want to use him or didn't know how to. I don't know what it was. We're never going to get a straight answer on that. But 
I'm going to be honest, like it, it didn't like leave me depressed. Like how could this have happened? But it's just another kick in the nards because it had to be a freaking former jet starring in the Super Bowl, catching that deep ball from Mahomes, and then the game winner. Of course it would happen like this. Yeah, that's how it goes with the Jets, isn't it, man? They always find a way to get brought up. Obviously, it happened at NFL Honors as well. Uh, the people were taking shots at the Jets. It happens. I don't think Nicole Hardman holds any ill will towards his time with the Jets. I think he's a professional about it. And honestly, I don't think the co- – I think the comments have been blown out of proportion a little bit. Um, but I'm, I know he's happy to be back in Kansas City, obviously. Dude went back to the Chiefs, won his third ring there, and is now forever cemented as a, as a, a legend and a hero – in Kansas City. Uh, I don't know if we're going to talk about this in show, but Josh Curtis said in chat, and I just looked it up, this is true, uh, that there were shots fired at the Chiefs Super Bowl parade. So that's why. Oh, my I, God. I, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. I'll put the comment here. Josh Curtis said in chat, I was literally there at Union Station, which is where the parade is, uh, 24 hours ago. So that's crazy. Uh, literally less than 24 hours ago, I was standing right where the parade is. So, Oh, my God. Right. I hope everybody's okay. I mean, oh, my God. All right. Yeah. Definitely wish for the best there. That's a very serious situation. Uh, I hope, I hope that no one is injured and everybody's okay. Uh, but yeah, sorry. I just saw that in chat. I was like, that's crazy. Is that true? And it is. Um, but back to me, Cole Hardman. Yeah. You know, you know how it goes with the jets. Anytime anybody gets an opportunity, any, anytime the, the analyst, the, the announcers, whatever, get an opportunity. They're going to take shots at the jets. It happens. I'm happy for me, Cole Hardman. Uh, I don't think the Jets made a mistake trading him. Sure, they probably could have found a different role for him. And honestly, maybe they just shouldn't have signed him in the first place, um, if, especially if they didn't have a role for him. But either way, I'm happy that he was able to win a ring with the Chiefs. He seems to love it in Kansas City. So good for him. And, you know, we'll all just move on from this. And it'll be a tiny little anecdote in Jets history. I just one of the one of the great unknowns. Obviously, the Rodgers thing is the biggest unknown that this franchise will ever have ever. What if he didn't get hurt? Even if he comes back this year, he's going to be off on Achilles and we're never going to really see 100% Aaron Rodgers. Like, we'll never know what happened there. But also, micro scale, what would have happened if they at least tried it with Miko Harbin? Because that's what always pissed me off. It'd be one thing if Harbin was terrible. Because people remember before this game, I mean, that Buffalo game, he almost blew the Buffalo game. He was fumbling and dropping yeah. balls. I mean, he was not like a Tyreek Hill replacement. I don't know if they thought he would be, but he was not doing that. But the fact that the Jets never even tried, like Aaron Rodgers went down. I don't think he ever had a snap with Harbin on the field, Rodgers. And then no, they no just way. said, all right, well, we're, we're giving it up. I don't know if just because they didn't trust Zach Wilson to throw down field, but even then, Harbin's fast. Get him going horizontal. I, I don't know what it was. And because that of that, I, that's why I'm a little frustrated because I'm like, you know what? Like something could have happened with the Jets here. And they just, of their own choosing, said, we don't care. They promised him an expanded role. That was a lie. That was just a straight-up lie. Yep. And it, and then here he is a couple months later, dancing in the end zone, Super Bowl. Like it, He should have been doing that with the Jets is my only, yeah. my only problem with it. It definitely seems like a case. We've obviously talked about the Hardman situation plenty on the show and what happened and why he was traded and why the Jets couldn't find a role. But it definitely seems like a case of he got injured in the the summer, lost his spot essentially to Xavier Gibson because Gibson, the Jets really liked. They wanted to find a role for him in the the offense. And Gibson kind of took over that role, uh, which wasn't much of a role, but it took over that role. And obviously whatever role they had planned for Hardman slash Gibson changed again when Rodgers got hurt. Uh, and yeah, they definitely could have tried more. Obviously, we're we're not going to be Nathaniel Hackett defenders here and and say that yeah, Hardman just sucks. That there was nothing. There's Imagine nothing being a Nathaniel Hackett defender in in 2024. I, know, I of all, I honestly don't know if there are any. Like other than his like family members and immediate friends, I don't know if there are any fans who are genuine. Like I haven't seen that. There's a lot of really like like there people will defend any player on Twitter. You're going to find somebody that is defending them. I don't think I've seen somebody doing that with Nathaniel Hackett. I don't. Maybe people who just re- – I mean, we don't like Zach Wilson either, but maybe people who are like Zach Wilson so bad that you can't – I mean, I'm sure there's people out there. there. There's too many people in this Jets fan base to yeah. not be like, actually, I think Nathaniel Hackett is good. Some people probably think he's great. Imagine living with that. Imagine that being your husband or your wife. <laughs> you know, well, you're married to a Nathaniel Hackett truther. That – I don't – look, man. 
<laughs> I don't, I don't want to speculate about their lives. As Brian said in chat, Jets had Pro Bowl wide receiver Randall Cobb, so they had no need for Michael Harmon. I believe both players have made a Pro Bowl in their career, actually. I think Randall Cobb and Michael Harmon both made a Pro Bowl. Harmon, Harmon was, I think, as a kick returner. but He was. Well, of course, he definitely was not as a receiver. Uh, but, yeah, I they definitely could have found a role uh, for Michael Harmon, but here we are. I mean, ultimately, I don't think it would have made a huge difference in the Jets season. I don't think Hardman is, is a game changer by any means. I know he caught the game when he touched on the Super Bowl, but like you said, Mike, he didn't exactly do a ton before then going into that game. He had the one long catch as well, but he cost they almost cost him a couple of wins earlier. I don't think it was a huge loss by any means, but yeah, they probably could have found a role for many offense. Let's talk at least about some more, let's call them permanent additions. Guys who can make more of an impact as opposed to just Miko Harmon or collecting dust on the sideline for however long. And let's talk about some wide receiver targets because the Jets, if they do not add a wide receiver this year, a, a high-impact one, not Alan Lazar, like a real number two wide receiver, I mean, this front, that's a fireable offense. That's like fire Mike McCagnon after doing the draft levels of bad if they fail to secure one of these high-end receivers. And the Jets picked a good year and need a receiver. Because there are a couple guys out there who are in contract disputes, who could be traded from bad teams, who want to get paid more. I mean, there's no excuse. It's not even like the Lazard. Well, last year, I mean, there really wasn't like a super crazy wide receiver market last year. Like, this was the year. Like, now they don't even have any excuse. If I'm looking at the – I almost want to put Devontae Ad- – for the purposes of this list, I want to put Devontae Adams almost separately because everyone would acknowledge he would be number one. But the Jets probably just don't have the ammunition draft capital-wise to get him. Uh, he's worth a ton of money. And the Raiders, apparently, according to reports, think they can win this year. And they're not interested in trading him. So that's a complete long shot. That is just unless the Raiders Raiders it up and everything just completely falls apart, which it doesn't look like because it looks like Antonio Pierce was the right hire. Then I don't see Adams really getting traded. Adams getting traded seemed like more of a McDaniels frustration thing, but they – Nip that in the bud as soon as they could. If I if I had to pick one guy that I think the Jets should at least try and target, and this is honestly a recent thing, is Brandon Ayuk of the San Francisco 49ers. And I don't even love Ayuk necessarily as a player because I don't think he's like a number one guy, but you can't find me a guy who I think is perfectly situated to a number two receiver role quite like Brandon Ayuk. Good hands, playmaker, goes deep, over the middle, top five yard after catch guy. When he gets the ball in his hands, like that—that's what you need in this Jets offense. That's what they were missing last year. That's what Garrett Wilson tried to do, but yeah, he can't do everything himself. He's a 23-year-old kid. He can't carry an entire offense as a receiver. Ayuk is viable, especially because if you were looking at the social media tea leaves, uh, I believe his brother—it was either his brother or his wife. I can't remember who. I think it, it was, was his. his it was his girlfriend. It was his girlfriend? Okay. Who is, who is also like the mother of his child? So it's not like they—they've been okay. okay. And I believe his best friend were the two that said it. That's what it was. So his girlfriend basically said, this is why we're leaving the Niners this year. And then said BA to Vegas. So it seems like they like the Raiders for whatever yeah. reason. But she said at least she signals said that he's out there. And yeah. I know the Niners can pay some guys because Brock Purdy's on a dirt cheap deal. And they don't have to necessarily pay him yet. But that's an expensive defense. And those weapons are expensive. And you're going to have to get rid of some of them. Ayuk seems like the most likely one. They're going to get probably some extra comp picks this year so they can pick extra receivers to replace him. I mean, a lot of stars are aligning here. Now, he'll be expensive as hell, but T. Higgins is a free agent too. He'll be expensive too. I would rather get Ayuk than T. Higgins, even though Higgins brings more of that stylistic contrast with Garrett Wilson that I'm kind of looking for. Like I want like a more traditional taller X receiver at some point. I just think Ayuk is a better fit. I agree. I also would prefer Ayuk over Higgins. And I actually, I think he'd be cheaper. I know he's going to be asking for a top extension, but I really think Higgins on the open market, if he, assuming he gets there, is going to be like top five highest paid receiver in football. I think somebody's going to pay him a ridiculous amount of money. Which is weird. I just think Ayuk, because Ayuk was more productive than, than Higgins. Yeah. Well, it's different when you're on the open market and there's a bidding war versus if there are, you know, you're trying to be extended by your team, or even if it's a trade, you're working with that team for an extension. Completely different. The bidding war doesn't really develop as much. Uh, I, I like Ayuk, and like you said, it, it is a very interesting situation that is developing there. I still don't think he's going to get moved. I kind of read into this as leverage in some ways because he's entering the fifth-year option. He's entering the last year of his rookie contract. 
and he obviously wants to get paid this offseason. He does not want to play on that fifth-year option next year. So I think he's going to make us think about it, and I think he's going to do everything he can to get paid, whether it is by the 49ers or whether it's by another team. I think it's more likely to be by the 49ers, but like you said, they have a lot of other contracts that they weren't got to worry about as well. They can't just keep throwing money around. Possibly Ayuk does get moved. He's not my top target because to get him, not only will you have to extend him when you do trade for him, because you're not going to trade for him and not extend him, and that's going to be a very expensive extension, but you also have to go of assets. Uh, the going price that I've seen a lot of Jets fans at least float around on Twitter, which seems to make sense to me, is a swap of first-round picks, so at least starting with that and then adding on something after that. Uh, I don't think you're just giving up the 10th overall pick straight up. If you do that, I don't think I really have interest because then the Jets don't have a pick until the third round uh, and you need to address offensive line. That's kind of my my gripe with that. But if you swap 10 and 31, all right, I think I can I think I can get on board with that uh, because you get Ayuk, that fills your wide receiver need immediately, and then you can try and draft the tackle either at 31 or maybe package something to try and back, move back up. Uh, you don't have a ton of draft capital to do that with, but I can see it happening. Uh, he's not my number one option. I think I still prefer a couple of other guys, but in terms of guys who might be realistically available, Ayuk makes sense. Obviously, in a perfect world, I, my top two options, Devontae Adams, Mike Evans. I don't think either of those are happening. I don't think either of those players are leaving their teams. Evans has a better shot, but it's not likely, I don't think. Uh, but if either of those guys become available at any point, that the Jets immediately need to jump on that because those are two guys who are – Probably borderline top 10 receivers. Adams is a top 10 receiver. Evans is, I'd say, borderline top 10. Adams might be top three for crying out loud. Yeah, he is. So Evan, yeah. Adams is not question top 10. He's yeah. 100% top 10. So number two then I'm looking at, and this one is – I've had so my doubts Ayuk, about him. Is Ayuk your top target? Uh, of reasonable ones, yes, just because – Okay. You're also getting a younger player. Like honestly, Mike Evans for like one or two years is probably I think going to be better than Ayuk. But you could get Ayuk for the next half decade if you play your cards right. So you're not you're not considering Adams and Evans as like realistic possibilities, right? That's why you're just in, in like in a world where they well, were available. Evans is more realistic. But I just have a tough I have a tough time thinking that Tampa Bay would have that great year where they win a playoff game and honestly almost beat the Lions in Detroit. They they hung with yeah. them. And then just like let everybody leave and blow it up. Like that wouldn't Although make sense. No, no Dave Canales. I don't know about Baker in 2024. What's going to happen there? They're but. just going to hire a guy who's going to run the Dave Canales offense. So but did they hire their OC already? I think they did. No. I think they promoted uh, from within. Liam, right? Co- oh, Liam Cohen. Oh, Liam Cohen, who Baker knows yeah. already. So yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. McVay, which is similar. That's the McVay yeah. tree. Yeah. Everybody well, so, Shanahan uh, yeah. Jeez. So the in Shanahan in a, in a, crime uh, family is already starting to pay for their crimes by losing that Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In in an yeah. ideal world, if Adams or Evans were available, would or would they be ahead of uh ahead of uh, uh for you? Still Evans would be number two, and that's just again only because of how old Evans is. And Ayuk is a guy that Aaron Rodgers could leave, Robert Sala could get fired, but you could still have Wilson and Ayuk as your receivers. Right. And in a passing league, like that you can't put a price on that. Right. And so enough. because of that, and again, it's I know Nathaniel Hackett is the the redheaded stepchild of the Shanahan coaching tree because it seems like he's the only one that doesn't at least have an average offense in this league. Right. And not only is it in fact not average, it's poor and perhaps the worst in the league because he's Nathaniel Hackett. So what are yeah. you gonna do? But I mean that's that is they do do a lot of stuff that Ayuk had success with in San Francisco. So I think the transition wouldn't be too crazy. So I'm I'm also looking in the top like two or three there. I'm also looking at Calvin Ridley. Uh, I've had my doubts about Ridley in the past uh, because of the drops. I don't think that he – I think he tried to be a number one receiver. I think Jacksonville tried to make him a number one receiver this year, and he kind of fizzled when he had to. Like when they lost Christian Kirk, I think it was fairly obvious Christian Kirk right now is better than Calvin Ridley by a pretty good margin. Christian Kirk's very underrated. So Ridley is tough, though, because it's a brand name, number one, because he's got a big, shiny, flashy name with a lot of pedigree. So that's going to probably drive the price up, honestly. And number two, I mean, Jacksonville, they they still probably want him back because Trevor Lawrence was, I think, better than a lot of people said he was last year, but I don't think he was as good as he was in his second year. He didn't take the leap I thought he would. And I think the wrong move would be subtracting from this from this team and taking weapons away, especially when now you know that C.J. Stroud's legit, 
And Anthony Richardson, from what we saw, looks to be legit. And now the Titans got a good offensive coach for Will Levis. Like, that division suddenly is pretty deep and pretty tough. So because of that, you're going to have to pretty much outbid Jacksonville, who has no state tax and cap space and a ton of money, and they always usually spend in in free agency. Like, that's a real thing you got to worry about. So a lot of negatives there, but it's hard for me to envision a scenario where Calvin Ridley is healthy for 17 games, Aaron Rodgers is his quarterback, and he's not getting like a thousand yards. He's just been that consistent and that productive for, for, throughout his career with Atlanta and Jacksonville. I have Ridley slightly ahead of Ayuk for me in terms of preference, and it's not because I think Ridley is necessarily a better player than Ayuk. I think it makes more sense for the Jets. Number one, unlike Ayuk, you do not have to trade the number ten pick to get Calvin Ridley. I think that's the biggest thing for me. You are not giving up assets to get Calvin Ridley. You're signing him, and he's going to cost a lot of money. He's not going to cost as much as Higgins because he's already 29, and he's just he doesn't have the same pedigree that Higgins does. Higgins is going to get, like I said, maybe top five receiver money. Ridley will get well, Ridley will get a big contract, but it won't be the same kind of contract that Higgins got. I'd also a comment here on on Twitter here. This is I think there's some validity to this. He said, "BA is a pass. Ayuk's a pass. Making a stink on an NFC Championship team is a bad sign of what you're getting." I do think there's something to be said for that to some degree, because uh, he's out, or at least uh, he he said uh, when he was asked about if he wanted to to stay in San Francisco, uh, he said that he wanted to like he said if it's the right move, and they asked him what's the right move. They said he said being a champion, and it's like, man, where are you gonna go? That's a better opportunity other than like the Chiefs to be a champion than the Niners. Well, it's, he said he wants to go to Vegas. I, mean, I, I just, I did look it up. He is from Nevada, so that's probably why he's considering Good. that. But send, the Raiders aren't better than the Niners now. Raiders fans will tell you that. Dude, send him to Vegas, and then that makes Devontae Adams somehow expendable. And <laughs> he can come to the Jets. Perfect world. Uh, God, imagine those just, two receivers, and you get Aiden O'Connell in, in an offense coordinated by Luke Getze. It's the whole. It's it is like the quintessential meme of like the Mercedes Benz parked in like a, a like a shitty garage, and it's like oh, like that. It's that. It's that meme. But I think there's something right with grass ain't greener because Devontae Adams leaves the Packers, and then in two years he gets Josh McDaniels and Luke Getze. Right. But <laughs> I, I do think there's something to be said about it. Some of it is just like classic wide receiver drama. Like we see it every offseason with Stephon Diggs. It's like all right, Stephon Diggs is still great. I still love Stephon Diggs, but I don't know. I think there's something to be said about somebody who's seemingly pretty unhappy in a great situation like how would he handle being on the jets especially part of it too is he's the number two guy behind debo samuel maybe wants to be a number one guy not gonna change in new york would that change with the jets i don't think so i i don't think he'd be the number one guy over garrett wilson nor should he be i think garrett wilson's better than brandon because maybe he thinks he would though and that's what he cares about well then if he were to come to the jets and he wouldn't be number one because the other thing is there's less stability i mean i don't know if there's less stability at quarterback actually I, I would say I think there's less stability at quarterback in New York than there is in San Francisco. Brock Purdy is more likely to be the Niners starting quarterback in the next three years than Aaron Rodgers is to be the, the next the starting quarterback for the Jets three years from now. So you don't really know what life is going to be like after Aaron Rodgers. We also don't know what Aaron Rodgers is going to be in 2024 at this stage. So I don't know. I think there's something to be said about that. Um, I think Rid- that's partially why Ridley's ahead of me. The biggest reason is you just don't have to give up assets for Ridley, whereas you do have to give up assets for Ayuk. But I wouldn't be upset at all. Obviously, if the Jets go out and make any of these moves, even if they sign T. Higgins for a boatload of money, I'd still be happy. Um, but on like my list, of, I, I made a list, a ranking of seven of like my seven seven top targets for receiver. Adams was one. Evans is two. Again, those are admittedly unlikely. Ridley, three. Ayuk, four. Then I had draft a receiver at 10, at 5. I want to get your thoughts on that in a second. And then the two guys below them that are likely to be free agency, Marquise Brown, T. Higgins. Marquise Brown has the connection to Sean Jefferson. That's why I threw him on there. And then T. Higgins is my last one, only because of how much it's likely going to cost him. No Michael Pittman? Uh, that – Pittman would be much higher. I just think there's, I think there's even less of a chance he leaves than Devontae Adams. Like, there's a zero percent chance Devontae Adams leaves Indianapolis. I'm sold on that. But yeah, he would, he would be. That's what I put Pittman as my number three because of that, though. Uh, okay. I'm banking on two. Obviously, number one, the fit. Classic X receiver, ton of catches, great hands, breakout year this year, over 100 catches with backup quarterback play because Gardner Minshew had to come in for Anthony Richardson. So you're saying why would he leave Indianapolis? Well. Did Jim Ursay not go on Twitter last year and basically say Jonathan Taylor is overrated and we're not going to pay him and then piss him off for a couple of weeks before he cave in? 
But then they I did mean, get that front office is not tied to any of their skill position players. They had to basically get cyber bullied into paying Jonathan Taylor. And then he ended up being worth it. But that's how they operate. And it seems like that's what Ursay wants is we want our quarterback who's going to be our bell cow. And then skill guys can be replaceable if they if they exceed what we think they're worth. So because of that, you have to consider Pittman. I think in <laughs> This is going to be insane. I know it's running back receiver, but I mean, yeah. this isn't the first time the Colts have done stuff like this with, with receivers. And with in the time the since that whole drama happened with Jonathan Taylor, one, they extended him. They did give him a new contract. And two, Jim Irsay, like, OD'd and almost died. Like, I don't even know how much of a hand he has in football operations at this point. He's just recovering at this point still. Uh, I mean, obviously, I hope for the best. I hope he recovers and everything. Right, but, right. But, yeah, like, I, I don't know how much of a say Irsay has. And like you said – Receiver running back, big difference there. I would be stunned if they let Michael Pittman go. And I, I look, I understood to a degree them not wanting to pay Jonathan Taylor. I, I'm not as high on Jonathan Taylor as other people, I think. I think he's a very good running back. But I think, as we saw this year, Zach Moss was doing almost just as good in that exact system. He was really good. Uh, they just have, had a very good offensive line. Quentin Nelson had a bounce back year. Uh, so I, I got that argument. Not paying Pittman? Nah, man. That would make no sense to me. But sure, if Pittman is available – He's he might be my number one legitimately over I mean, number two. I think I'd put him right behind Adam just because he's so young. Like he's still young. He's still great. Like Evans, obviously he's still great, and he's never had a season with oh, under a thousand yards, and he does fit the the prototype that they want as well. But I don't know. I mean, Pittman's going to be here another six years if you trade for him or if you signed him. You know, Evans probably wouldn't be. I don't know when Evans is going to hit that wall. But either way, I think we're arguing or we're, we're debating between three guys who are almost definitely not going to be available. Well, you at least got to try. And and, and sure. I get that you want to maximize like the window now, but like Rogers is going to leave. Like you have to, I know Joe Douglas and Robert Toller and cover their ass mode because they're going to get fired if they stink it this year. But I mean, you have to at least have some sort of long-term outlook. And I guarantee you if offered the chance between a veteran, Mike Evans, the Odelli guy and a one year, not a prove it deal, but just like a one year, let's go chase a ring thing or the younger guy in a four-year deal, everybody would take the younger guy in a four-year deal. So yeah. I think they're going to at least try. What are your thoughts on Marquise Brown? Because I, I feel like I have mixed yeah. thoughts on him. Yeah. My immediate thought is eh, kind of a bit overrated, but there's the Sean Jefferson connection. And I also think he's cleaned up the drop issues. My biggest issue, issue with him is now injuries. He's struggled to stay healthy throughout most of his career. Always been like he's so issue. small. He's like yeah. 120 pounds wet. <laughs> It's crazy. He's put on weight since Oklahoma, too. At Oklahoma, I didn't know he was ever going to be able to play in the NFL. He was Robbie Anderson. He was half the size of Robbie Anderson. Like, dude was a twig in Oklahoma. Uh, but he's he's genuinely put on weight in the NFL. But it's still like it's like hamstring issues are always bothering him. Like, it's always been uh, like minor things that have just become ailments that have, have carried throughout the season. Uh, he is coming off a disappointing year. Only 574 yards last year in 14 games. Had 101 targets, but only 51 catches. Um, but obviously former 1,000 yard receiver. I do think he's cleaned up the drops a bit. I don't think he's really the fit that the Jets need. He's he's almost strictly a downfield guy, which great. I think Garrett Wilson can do that. Uh, I don't. Th I think they need more of like a reliable guy than they need a, a downfield threat. But I wouldn't hate it. I wouldn't hate it I'd, for the right price. But it's definitely not my top target. So the Jets are going to try and replace Alan Lazard, a 6'4 receiver who's had injury concerns and drop issues and is pretty much limited to verticality as his main, the main way to make an impact, with a 5'9 often injured guy with drop issues that is limited to verticality as his main way to make an impact. All right. Look, I mean, look, those, they're completely different receivers, though. Like, Lazard is so much more physical than Brown, and Brown is I, a lot. Right, but, like, I mean, they're both – they have limited route trees. They both get banged yeah. up. But Brown can get if, if they sign if they sign Marquise Brown and he Alan Lazarded it, would that surprise anybody? It would surprise me if he Alan Lazarded it. I don't think he would Alan Lazard it. And even Alan Lazard, Alan Lazarding surprised me. But I like you know what I mean, honest. Like at that level, yeah. But yeah. I didn't think he would be good, but he was horrific. Um, but I, I think Brown's a good number two. I think he's a good he, I think he's a solid number two and a very, very, very good number three. But I think he's a number two on a lot of teams, and I think that's what the Jets are looking for. They wouldn't have to break the bank as much for him, uh, although he, he's only like 26, so he'd probably cost a decent amount if he hit free agency, but it wouldn't be as much as Ridley. It definitely wouldn't be as much as T. Higgins. I'd be open to it. It wouldn't be my top preference, but I, I would rather have Marquise Brown at his salary than T. Higgins at his salary. I don't know if that's a hot take. 
Hey, wait, I, I don't mildly. That's like a white person spicy hot take, kind of. You ever meet somebody and they have like a jalapeno pepper and like, ooh, that's so spicy. That's that level of t- hot that's, take. That's me. that's that's me. That's me. I don't. Oh, do, you're I one of those people. Oh, I don't no, do spicy, just... dude. I can't do spicy food. I grew up eating Jewish food, and Jewish food is not spicy. It is as bland as can be. <laughs> I have, uh, I have, I have the ultimate white person taste bud. I do not. I, I do not do spicy. I can't. I wish I could. See, if I, I'm, I'm always on a scale like one to ten, I always try to get like the seven and eight sauces because that's like right where the flavor is. The like, anything beyond that, like it's not meant to taste good. It's meant to like. It's it's like that hot ones one at the end when they're just trying to like yeah. well, you're just get a heart attack. You're just you're just in pain. Like that's not even I, I like I look, I use I've gotten better with it. I used to just not eat buffalo wings at all. Now I can do buffalo oh, wings. Oh, that's Give ridiculous. Me Give me some blue cheese. I'll do some I'll do some some uh some uh buffalo wings. But um okay, really quick, Josh Kerr in chat said it. Why are you I was down? About to bring that up. I was just about to get to that. It's a perfect thing to talk about here because we're yeah. talking about C. Higgins. He says, Why are you down on Higgins other than price he'd be? Uh, also, I saw that the Bengals would potentially tag him. They could tag him. I think it's just more likely they let him walk. Uh, I don't, he's tagging him would cost so much money. Uh, and I don't know financially if that'd be a smart move for them. I think the most likely situation is he just leaves and signs a new team. Uh, I've said it in the past. I don't think, I don't want to make this comparison because it, it, I don't think he's, his career is going to go exactly like this, but I get Kenny Galladay vibes from T Higgins. That's the vibe I get. I, I don't think it's going to go that way, but Kenny Holiday was great in Detroit. For that one year before he ended up getting hurt, he was great. Uh, I see similar vibes with T. Higgins, not with the injuries as much, uh, but more so I don't think he he separates as effectively as I'd like a, a top-level wide receiver to do, and I think because of that, the margin for error is lower. Uh, I think his numbers were slightly inflated by the fact that he was playing alongside Jamar Chase in a high-powered Bengals offense. I think he's a very good player. I don't think he's a number one receiver. I think he's going to get paid like not only a number one receiver, but one of the best receivers in football. So that's why. But if the price tag was way lower, yeah, I'd be interested in T. Higgins. I think he fits what the Jets need. I just don't. I think he's going to get wildly overpaid, and I would not be surprised at all if he never lives up to the contract he gets. If you had to put me down right now for like, if I had to put down a bet of where he's going to play next year, uh, it would be the Titans. Tennessee, yeah, that makes the most sense. They have a ton of money. He, they have a young quarterback in Will Levis who needs more receivers around him. Him and DeAndre Hopkins would be cool. He's yep. from Tennessee. Yep. And the head coach is Brian Callahan, who was the offensive coordinator in Cincinnati. So it'll be the same offense. That would be if you had to like ask me right now, where's he going? It would be the Titans. It just too many things are converging all at once. T. Higgins market value, and I think this is below. I don't think I think he's gonna get more than the spot spot track, spot track, spot track, whatever they recommend or they they calculate that he's going to be getting a contract somewhere in the ballpark of four years, 75 million. I think it'll be even more than that. Yeah, I, it'll, I, it'll be more than that. Christian I Kirk would, that. I would, yeah, I would be stunned if he's only making 18, 19 million next year. What's, what's the top wide receiver contract right now? What's, what is the like? Oh, Devontae. Is he still the top? I mean, even Tyreek probably are one too. Tyreek's one at 30. All right. So maybe not top five money for Higgins. I think top 10 is almost guaranteed. Top 10 would give him an average annual value of about three, four, five, six, seven, of about t- at least 20 million. I would be very surprised if he's not making 20 million a year. And I I don't think he's worth that. I, I really don't think he's worth that. Because that's we're talking now Terry McLaurin, DJ or DK Metcalf territory, Stefan Diggs. Like I he's not as good as those guys. He's just not. So let's t- move off talking about players that we would hate or at least don't like or prefer somebody else and talk about players that we love with it being Valentine's day and whatnot. So if this is your, if you have a Valentine, make sure to treat them right. If not, then welcome to the club. You can come finalize Taliesi Fuaga's grade tape with me tonight. If you want to do that, right. that's we, what I'll be doing. We can be each other's football Valentine's. I don't know what that means. Did right? you just think of that off the top of your head? Yep. <laughs> okay. I, I can tell. <laughs> So will you be my that, Jets Valentine? Will you be my Jets my Jet Press podcast Valentine? Mike? I mean, I don't feel like there's another option here, so I'm gonna have to say yes. Oh, Is there yes. only one other option? Yes. <laughs> there's, yeah, there's no other options. It's just me. Okay, so yeah, talk about a shotgun wedding. Oh my god. So <laughs> This is this is ridiculous. All right, so now let's get back on track and talk about players that let's reminisce a little bit. At least talk about Jets players that may not be the best players. May not be Hall of Famers, 
but guys that you just can't help but love. Guys that still you just remember as man, I just love watching that guy play. Uh, I'm gonna go start right now because uh, I actually brought this up to Justin before the show, and he was a little surprised that he would I think be in my top three, but. I always like guys who just are consistent, like day in, day out, same stuff every single week. So Shaw Ferguson for me, like growing up watching him, like you just literally knew every single play. He's going to be out there. He's going to be good. He's going to play hard. He's going to be tough. Like, plus I think he does karate too. He's a cool guy. So Shaw Ferguson, like already, like the name is cool too. Just a, a guy, he's named Shaw for crying out loud. That's cool. And then you get to a guy who, through good and bad, always positive, never was stirring trouble up. Like, I just love watching the guy play. As much as, like, a guy growing up can love left tackle play, like, that was always one of my guys was the Brickashaw. That's a great shout. I'm definitely not surprised at all that he's, like, on yours. Uh, this is based – by the way, this is based on an article that went up on the Jet Press today, which I ranked the most beloved Jets players of all time. Not just mine, or definitely not mine. It was – the overall most beloved Jets players of all time. You can check that out right now. But we are talking our own personal preferences here. So, unfortunately, you're not going to see any Don Maynards here. Sorry, Don. Did not watch your play. Sorry, Jerome Barkham. Before my time, honestly, even like a Wayne Corbett, who is one of the most beloved players of all time, I never watched him play. I'm too young for that. And I know that dates some people watching this. I'm sorry if that makes you feel old. Uh, I just I just missed the cutoff with Wayne Corbett. I think his career had been like 2005. So. Just, I was like seven You're years like old. Right at the end of Wayne Corbett. Yeah, just missed it. Uh, so, I, unfortunately, he won't be on here. My number one guy, right? I don't know if this is my favorite player of all time, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this draft style because I don't want you taking him. I don't know if you would take him, but I just – I'm going to take him. Like, I, the other guys I don't think you're going to take, but I know there's a chance you take this guy. And it's Sauce Gardner, dude. It's Sauce Gardner. It's early. He's played two seasons, but I've said it before – Quarterback is my favorite position in football. That is, I, I've always loved that position growing up. If I ever played football, I wanted to play cornerback. I think it's just the most interesting position. So to have a player in, on the Jets, on my favorite team, who is legitimately not only the best cornerback in the NFL, but through two seasons, is on legitimate GOAT trajectory. <laughs> like no cornerback has ever been as good as he has through the first two seasons of their career. And that guy's on my favorite team. On top of that, he's a wonderful human being. It has to be Sauce Gardner. Like that, I, I I have to include him already in my top favorite players of all time. Whatever. You just uh, plug in the interview because he's a friend of the show. Friend of the show, Sauce Gardner. Yeah, we interviewed <laughs> him back in like September or whatever. Check that out. Awesome yeah. dude. Uh, genuinely a great guy though. Like genuinely a great dude, and obviously an unbelievable talent on the field. So much fun watching him. I, there is not a player on the Jets that I enjoy watching more than Sauce Gardner, and that might be all time. I don't know if there's a player I've ever enjoyed watching on the Jets as much as I enjoy watching Sauce Gardner do his thing every single game. So he's on there for me. I don't know. I like Tariq Woolen, though. Uh... <laughs> Tariq, Tariq Woolen, who was, who was benched multiple times. I think you would be like, I don't know, man. I like I like Buster Screen. He was pretty great. <laughs> so my fa- my other favorite player is Tremaine Johnson. No, uh, it's, uh, it's a guy from the Tremaine Johnson era. And this is – st- What? Morris Claiborne. <laughs> Oh, Morris Clay. Did he get like a four on the Wonderlick? Yeah, yeah, he did. Good for him, though. And he still was a top 10 pick, so good for him. Gee, I mean, like he, I, he had to have done that on purpose, right? Uh, I, I mean, it I, is like most, it's like math and logic questions. Like, that way it's a sham. And that test is a sham anyway. It, I know, but like, you got to, like, I, I remember taking the Wonderlick. I'm not saying I got like a 50, like Ryan Fitzpatrick, but like, I didn't get a four. Did like, they, wasn't there an old football video game where you could take the wonder like is that a thing? maybe or they just ask like basic you know if train a leaves chicago with this yeah. time and try to was this time questions i don't think it was the real wonder like but it was like passed off in the game as a wonder like and you could take it and i was like this is i'm doing schoolwork. what am i doing this is a test <laughs> it was quick it, it was fast but yeah getting getting off the wonder like and getting back to that player that yeah. i really like watching part of why i like kansas city i mean look everybody likes watching patrick mahomes unless you're like one of those Taylor Swift is a psyop, like cons- lonely conspiracy nut job guys that there are too many of, frankly, and it's really weirding me out nowadays. But <laughs> most people like watching. If you like football, you like watching Patrick Mahomes. So I get that that's why it's fun. But I also like watching Isaiah Pacheco run with that just crazy style, high knees, churning, just pounding. Like I, that's part of why I like those old 49ers teams. It's not even necessarily Joe Montana or Jerry Rice, but 
Roger Craig, like, kicking his knees up to his shoulders and running people over. That's fun. And that's why I like Chris Ivory. Because Chris Ivory, even though he wasn't on some great teams, he just never stopped moving. His legs were always going. That head, I mean, it might as well have just been a battering ram. I mean, he would lower it in a guy's chests. He would hit guys under the chin and knock their helmet up. He just, you had to kill him to drag him down. And I know that that shortened his career, and I know that he really only had like that brief window with the Jets where he was really like a 1,000-yard guy pretty consistently. But, man, if he wasn't fun to watch, like I know that that's probably not the best for your brain health to run like that, and I hope he's doing okay now. But his sacrifices were not in vain because I just love watching Chris Ivory do his thing. I wish he would have been with the Jets longer. I think there's a lot of people that will agree with you for sure. It's almost like Sean Green. Like Sean Green was the exact same type of runner. Sean Green was like fatter and more plodding though. Like Chris Ivory was more like energetic. Yeah, but he still ran like a maniac. Like Green would just tuck his head down and try and truck dudes that were twice his size. Sean Green had like Trent Richardson thing though where he would like – like there'd be a lane and then he would like seek out the contact and like try to run a guy over instead of taking the lane. Talk to me when Trent Richardson reaches a conference final, all right? That's – that's mean. That's a mean comparison to Sean Green, but I get what you're saying. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think Chris Ivory, that's that's a great choice. I was never drawn to him in that, in that way, but I, I do think a lot of people will agree with you. Uh, my second guy is going to be – I'm sticking with the same position, and somebody in chat already mentioned him. I have his jersey. It is Bilal Powell. I think if you are finding a player who is the model of consistency and just like – I don't know, just showing faith to an organization that never had his back. It's Bilal Powell. Bilal Powell paid, played nine seasons with the Jets. As a running back in the 21st century, that's pretty crazy, especially considering he was not always a starting running back. But he played nine years with the Jets. And despite playing nine years with the team, he never made a play. He never played in the playoff game. Never uh. appeared in a single playoff game. That's, that, is co- that is cruel. That is cold. That makes me feel really sad for the guy. He always uh, got January's off, though, so. He said he worked less than, I guess, other people. But just yeah. being able to, as you a running overtime back. overtime in the NFL. <laughs> it's true. But it, it, being able to, as a running back, play nine seasons in the NFL. Also, just the model of reliability, the model of durability, never fumbled, like was just incredibly consistent. Just a rock-solid running back, a, a team leader when he was there. Not an outspoken team leader, but a soft-spoken team leader. And just the model of consistency. Uh, I have to say Bilal Powell. I do have his jersey. Normally, I go for the obscure jerseys on players. Like, I have a Will Parks jersey. Let's go, Philly Will. Uh, but I, I had to get a Bilal Powell jersey because that's my guy. That's my dude. So, Will Bilal Powell, number two on my list. My lasting memory of Bilal Powell is I think they were playing the Jaguars. I, I already knew what you were going to say. You yes. already know that play? He just leaps up in the air and then goes to the ground. Nobody, everybody yep. just stops and then he just runs 80 yards. Yep. And everyone's like, oh, he, he wasn't touched. What happened? Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's my last memory of him. That's a good one. So if I want to go to number three, this is going to be a really random one. And it may have been influenced by just my, my dad, like downloading his Jets opinions onto me when I was a kid. Cause I didn't like know better. Okay. But. I just remember watching like the early Rex team, like 08, 09, 22. I know Rex wasn't there in 08, but you know, the, that, those era of teams. And I just remember thinking he may not be the best player, but every time they needed to make a play on defense, this guy made it. And it was a guy who's a coach now in Jim Leonard. I just remember oh, when yeah. he came when he came over from the Ravens, like he was never that big, he was never that fast. He's never you never say he was like an all-pro safety, but like on those teams. Every time Tom Brady would go 40 yards down the field, Jim Leonard would knock it away. Or every time Peyton Manning would hit a guy over the middle, Jim Leonard would force a fumble. Like, he was just always there. It may have just been, I don't know, just my dad picking out, oh, Jim Leonard's great, but I just have these memories in my head of number 36 just flying around making plays. And those were the only time I saw any success as a Jets fan, so I have to hold on to the guys from that era and – and I won't, Jim Leonard, your your Jets career was not a waste. I, I remember it very fondly. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, he's a Jets great. You you could pick any number of players on those 09, 2010 defenses. Wow, there. it was a 5'8, 188 pound safety. He was, Bob Sanders. he was Bob Sanders. This is what he was. He was, he was I mean, the Bob white Sanders was like 230 and had muscles coming out of his ears, but that was a little well, different. Pretty, I, I feel like I remember Leonard being a pretty muscular guy, but yeah, you, you could pick any of the number of players on those teams. Like David Harris is another good shout who just 
again, model of consistency, the hitman. He was there forever. Unfortunately, never got to win anything, although he did make a couple of conference championship games. Uh, Leonard's a good shout out. <sighs> Who am I going to pick for my third one? Because I, I, like I said, I have a ton of like obscure players that I would throw out there. Like I have a couple of guys. I wrote, I wrote down a bunch. Like I have even like Garrett Wilson is on my list. I don't know if he's in my top three, but I think just an awesome player and an awesome dude. Um, someone like a Jericho Cotri is another one that is just, again, hard, impossible to dislike him. And of course, the lasting memory will, memory will always be him blowing out his hamstring and then continuing and making that amazing catch. Uh, well, I remember what I remember is when he was with the Panthers and was like point shaving in the Super Bowl, ruining Cam Newton. I remember that. Point shaving in the Super Bowl? What was he doing? He had like three drops in that game. Oh, like okay. Back break. And I'm like, dude, okay, I remember number one. I remember him fondly for his Jets days, though. I'm not talking about his Panthers days or his Steelers days or whatever. <sighs> All right. I'm well, I feel okay. I think I've told I've told the Tanner Purdom story on this podcast before, I believe, right? Mike, I've told you yes, that story. Yes. Tanner Purdom, then I'm not gonna right. Tanner Purdom would be my number three or whatever. I'll shout out another guy, another obscure player who I was just drawn to for whatever reason when I was younger. And now I'm happy to say that he has had an incredibly successful career and he is still playing in the NFL today. And that is Nick Ballore. Shout out to Central Michigan, the pride of Central Michigan. Nick Ballore started his career as special teams, undrafted linebacker with the Jets, ended up becoming a fullback at a point in his career, has now made a Pro Bowl. He's like 33 years old, still playing in the NFL today because he's one of the best special teamers in the league. Uh, I don't know why. I was always drawn to players like that, the Darren Walls, the Josh Bakers, guys like that. Um, so Nick Ballore, he was one of my first favorite players. Again, I don't know why I chose him, but I'm really happy uh, that he's been able to, to have the career he has. If not them, another like obscure player I'd throw out also because I interviewed him and he's probably one of my favorite dudes I've ever talked to. It's Ty Johnson. Also, just I am a Ty Johnson stan. I will always I will always defend Ty Johnson. Uh, I, I think he would have been the second best running back in the Jets last year. And I said that, honestly, like in September, that he probably would have been the second best running back in the Jets. I still think that today. I think he's a good player and also just a hilarious dude. So shout out to Ty Johnson. But I have like a whole list of obscure guys. Rontez Miles is another one who's just a really good dude. I could I could shout him out for days. But why yeah. didn't you meet Rontez Miles? I did, I didn't meet him, but I've heard from multiple players who like, including Tanner Purdom, who were like playing with him during that era. When I asked them, like, hey, who's the funniest player in the team? Rontez Miles always came up. It was always apparently he's a, a, a character in the locker room. Uh, another guy undrafted, I believe. Where did he go to school? Some really small school. Was it like Indiana? Oh, I remember yeah. this. California University in Pennsylvania. It was California. I said Indiana, Pennsylvania. That was Irv Charles. It was California, Pennsylvania. Yes, that's where Ron oh, says my oh, well, or so their team name is the Vulcans, which is already cool. And then their that's logo cool. is like like this like Thor-looking guy with like a sledgehammer that's on fire. That's that a pretty badass cool. logo. Rontez Miles, what a weird trivia fact. He played under Adam Gasebury for a year. It's a weird crossover that I, I didn't realize he played that long with the like Everybody did because they were just begging for anybody to fill up a roster he spot. Like, he played like seven years with the Jets. That's that's impressive, honestly. But, yeah, anyway, those, those, are my, those are my shout-outs. I mean, I I just like it. I think for me, it's stylistic too. It just if guys play a certain way, I just I can't help but like the more CTE you get as a running back, the, the better for me. <laughs> That's why so, I hope yeah. the Jets sign Pacheco and Pacheco, yeah, Pacheco's, <laughs> Pacheco's got to be right at the top of the list. Who's another guy? Like, I mean, Derrick Henry, I guess. Obviously Derrick Henry top. never. Derrick Henry just so big, he didn't even need to lower his head. Like, true, he gives other guys CT. <laughs> like, like, you watch those old NFL films highlights. You watch like Earl Campbell run, and just yeah. him. That's still the best play in NFL history. The best NFL films highlight is Earl Campbell. They're playing the Rams. He gets a ball up the middle. He like gets through the line. Butch Robertson is a great linebacker. He just lowers his head into like his sternum. Boom, knocks him down. He keeps running. And then they pull his jersey so ferociously that they tear the jersey off. And he, at the end of the play, Earl Campbell just has like j just his pads. He has no jersey that's been ripped up. It's still the best play in NFL history. I don't know if I've seen that, but that you you sold it. That's Go, a, go and look it up on YouTube. Or just I Earl bet, Campbell Rams run. It's, you know it's so good. You, you probably love Quincy Williams then. Because Quincy, oh, I love him. Yeah, like, yeah, he's awesome. <laughs> you need to play like an out of control maniac to be a linebacker in the NFL, and he does. That's true. Yeah, he does. So let's move on to 
our last segment, a recurring segment that we're going to bring back from last year, which is our weekly draft spotlight, which where we highlight one guy in particular who we've been studying recently who we think could be a really good fit with the Jets. Maybe some guys you have heard of, maybe some you haven't heard of. Uh, I don't think a lot of Jets fans have maybe heard of the guy I'm going to mention because right now he's like a fr- like a third, fourth, fifth round guy, um, and he's a defensive back. So the Jets are not honing in on defensive back, but he is a safety. We don't know if Ashton Davis is going to be back. We don't know if Jordan Whitehead's going to be back. So there is a need. I would be surprised if they don't draft a safety at some point this year. And if they want to draft a guy that is just totally a Robert Sala guy, I'm looking at a guy who, by the way, has a great name. He sounds like a like a 70s boxer, uh, Malik Mustafa of Wake Forest. Now, Wake Forest has a guy, Kalen Carson, a cornerback, who's projected to be kind of like a late round two guy. Mustafa is, I don't know if he's that good, but he's damn close. The negatives, I'll get out of the way. He's a safety. He's probably going to be a box safety, and he's 5'9", or 5'10", if you want to be generous. So immediately you have height concerns. He's probably going to play a very limited role. He has given up a few big plays just because he's so rabid. You can move him all over the place, eyes-wise. Like There are flaws. I don't think he'll ever be like a deep safety, really. In the NFL, and I think that's maybe what Robert Sala and the Jets kind of need right now is a guy like that. So that'll be a tough fit. But man, if you just want a dude who just loves football and hits hard and runs around, I mean, this is the dude. I mean, he was on Bruce Feldman's freaks list. Uh, he's listed at 210 pounds for a safety. He can clean, uh, he can clean, bench, and press all that, all those things combined, 1,300 pounds. So three exercises of 1,300 pounds, that's pretty good lifting for a defensive back. He's been clocked at 4.33 in the 40-yard dash. He's had 23 miles an hour in a game on the GPS. And you really can just move him everywhere. Very good in run support. Played kind of like a smaller linebacker-y, money-backer, Dayon Buchanan, Jamal Adams-y role, where he just gets in the box and hits people. Very good at very good at run support in particular. That's where you're really going to make his name. A couple forced fumbles. It's hard to not like a guy like that who just plays like his hair is on fire. Great athlete. And you know what? Here's where I also think Robert Sala can maybe pick him is because for all of his faults, the guy knows defensive ball. A guy can coach defensive ball. So if their whole philosophy is let's just draft great athletes and then we can coach them up and teach them the final points of defensive end. Like part of why Will McDonald is there. Will McDonald's a tremendous athlete. He's fast. He can spin and all that. They're like, we could teach him how to play NFL wide nine, NFL seven. We could teach him that. If they find a role for Mustafa, I don't know if he'll be a traditional safety, but he just, they could use him all over the place. Maybe like a dime back two or something like that. Maybe if a corner gets hurt, you move Michael Carter outside. He goes in the nickel for a little bit. Like I, he's a chess piece pretty much. And Robert Sala could have fun using him. You say he's a Robert Sala type player. It sounds like a Mike Luciano type player, honestly. It's, it's, that's it's, why I like Sala because I do <laughs> I do like that idea too of guys. Let, let's just draft physical freaks who can play hard, and then we could teach him yeah. the other stuff, kind of thing. Because you can teach was, guys football schematics. Yeah. You can't teach guys to run faster. That was the exact mindset with drafting Ashton Davis, which as of last year would have looked like a pretty stupid decision. But hey, he's finally figured it out. So maybe. My my and I, I can't say I, I definitely have not really watched Malik Mustafa. I would like to watch him more, but I'm not familiar with his game. Him and Kalen Carson together just lock people down sometimes. Well, I know Kalen Carson. Yeah, what what you've told me about Mustafa, my concern would be that I know that the Jets love to have their safeties be interchangeable. Uh, they don't really like to have like the defined center field safety and box safety. They kind of like to rotate them around. They did it a lot with Tony Adams. They did it with Jordan Whitehead. They even were doing it with Adrian Amos when he was playing. Uh, and obviously with Ashton Davis a little bit too, although Davis I feel like more had a defined role because he was like that third safety. Mustafa would basically kind of be pigeonholed into a guy you have to play around the box, which is fine. He's not going to be a high pick because of that limitation. Um, well, and that, so- that's the thought process then. You're not using like a day to – this is like when the Jets were mocked to pick Brian Branch and it's like, well, you got to go build a right. defense around him. Like you're not going to do that. You could just – plug him in wherever you need kind of thing. You're not going to say, oh, we have to change our whole defense for this fourth-round pick. He's just a, right. a situational guy. If this is like a fifth, sixth-round pick, like say like a Zaire Barnes-type pick, 
I'm cool with that because I think he strikes me as someone who can immediately make an impact on special teams because of how physical. Oh, he, he oh, you would love he, he, he'd be a, yeah. a great gunner. Oh my god, Grant Boyer might fall in love with him because he's he's fast, like you said, he's physical. That's someone you want on special teams. So if that's fine, and you can get if you get a, a you use like a fifth, sixth round pick, I'd say a sixth round pick on him. He becomes a core special teamer and then a dime a dime back something like that. You put him in there. I, and, I'll eat a Wake nope. Forest hat live on this show. He goes sixth round. Really, you think he's going? You think he's going higher than that? I hope he does. I probably just made a horrible bet I can't get out of, but okay. <laughs> so you said you'll make a, a you'll eat a Wake Forest hat live on this show. <laughs> Let's revisit that in a couple weeks. I don't know. I, I don't know about the, that. I see where the winds are blowing on his stock. <laughs> the draft is. Remember when Kelvin Harmon was supposed to go like early day two and he went like seventh round or whatever. Trey Smith was like they might he might go top twenty yeah. and then he went like two hundred twenty fifth or something. That was, that was medical. So that, Harmon was just weird. Where was Harmon medicals too? I forget. Yeah, he was medical too. He was medical too, and he was slow, but yeah, yeah. That I was, I, I like Kevin Harmon, but yeah, he did not work out. Uh, but yeah, fair enough. Uh, my guy is another one I think has been overlooked for different reasons, not necessarily size, although he's not the biggest guy. Uh, last week I did Lad McConkey, receiver out of Georgia. I'm doing another wide receiver this week because I think the Jets really, 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 really need to address wide receiver in the draft at some point. Probably not at ten. I think that's still most likely to be offensive line, but. Day two, day three, absolutely looking at wide receiver. And one guy I'm looking at is Jalen McMillan uh, from Washington. Overshadowed a lot because, of course, they have Roma Denze, they have Jalen Polk. Those guys both overshadowed McMillan. Although last year, or 2022, when when McMillan was fully healthy, over 1,000 yards receiving, nine touchdowns. The injury trouble this past season definitely limited his production, and I don't think that they used him in the same way that they did in 2022. That helped guys like Odunze and Polk have big years, but I think it definitely limited what McMillan can do, uh, or at least what he did do this year. But again, like I said last week, the first thing that I look for when it comes to wide receiver prospects in today's day and age is can you get open? McMillan can get open. He has excellent downfield speed. He's a nifty route runner. I think Washington kind of just held him back a little bit this year. They did a lot of swing passes to him and just tried to find ways to get him in open space, which really didn't maximize what he could do uh, as a route runner because I think he's good at that. He's probably – or is a good chance he's going to be limited to more of like a slot role in the NFL because he's not big. He's 6'1", but he's only like 190 pounds. Uh, I definitely don't know if he would be able to consistently consistently hold up against press coverage in the NFL. That would be kind of one of my my bigger concerns there. But he's effective after the catch because of that speed, hence why they were throwing him those swing passes, trying to get him in open space. Uh, I, I would say another red flag to me is he did struggle at times with concentration drops. I don't think he has the best hands or the most consistent hands, but he can get open. He's fast and he's a good route runner. That's a guy I think the Jets can use. I think that's somebody who's going to have a long future in the NFL. He gets overshadowed be it by his his other teammates, but I wouldn't be surprised if he goes round three, round four, ends up being a pretty good player. I do just have a tough time thinking that they got like three dominant receivers on one team. Like I I, I brought this comparison to Justin to Justin beforehand, like about how somebody's always got to be the Pete Best of the group. Like there's always got to be like look at Ole Miss. They had DK Metcalf. They had Elijah Moore. They had uh, A.J. Brown, and then they had DeMarcus Lodge. Like, somebody's got to be the DeMarcus Lodge, and I don't think it's going to be Udunze, who's a better vertical threat. I don't think it's going to be Polk, who's probably a little quicker. I think it might be McMillan, who we've seen regress a little bit. But if he hits, 1,000-yard guy. Like, it's just such a boomer bust thing with him. Or it could be a situation like Alabama, where they had Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddell, Jamison Williams – John Mechie, like all those guys. Well, Williams and Mechie, all right. Henry Ruggs, we know what happened with that. So, I mean, even after that. Williams was still a first-round pick, and Mechie's obviously had some off-field stuff. Right, yeah. That that has affected his career. But Williams was still a first-round pick. And when he's been on the field and healthy, has been pretty good, I I think. I think he's been pretty good, and he's found a role in Detroit. Uh, So, I don't think talent's the question with him. Uh, so I, I think it could happen. And look at how good Washington's offense was this year. There's a reason for that. It's because they had so many playmakers, because Penix was so good. So I don't know. I, I think I think McMillan could be a good player. I think I like McConkey more, and he's a better fit for the Jets. But McMillan is someone that I'd keep an eye out on. And with that, I think we're going to call time on this episode of the Jet Press Podcast. As always, thank you for listening. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, wherever you get your podcasts. We are on all those sites. YouTube at the Jet Press. Likes really help. Good reviews really help. Justin, sign us off.
Yeah, we'll be back. Uh, we'll be back next week. Until then, thank you all for joining us on the show today. You can follow Mike on Twitter at ByNightGroupJohn. Follow me on Twitter at Justin T. Free. And follow the Jet Press at the Jet Press. Download the Jet Press podcast wherever you get your podcast. Check us out on YouTube and TikTok. Subscribe, like, hit that notification bell. You guys know what to do. We stream live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern time. Thank you all for listening to Jet Press podcast. I have been Justin Freed. That is been Mike Luciano. We'll see you guys next time. See you folks next week. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.